Welcome to Cheaper Than Therapy, a podcast that journeys into conversations with the intention of demystifying, destigmatizing, and desensitizing what really gets talked about behind the closed doors of the therapy room. I'm Vanessa Bennett. And I'm Danae Selkin. And we're seekers, soul sisters, and holders of sacred space. So join us as we dive into the ways that therapy can be connecting not only to yourself, but also to those around you. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. So today we're talking to Olive, um, and Olive actually wrote in talking about something that just feels super present and alive, I think, for so many people right now. And it's just this idea of struggling with singlehood, right? Like with being single. And I'm sure the pandemic is part of that. And um, I'd love to hear more about what is present for you, what those struggles look like, feel like, um, all those things, Olive. You know, I've been single for almost three years now. Um, I mean, I've kind of like, I've seen a few people, I guess you could say, like we've gone out some, we've hung out some, um, but nothing's really ever stuck. Like I just keep seeing a lot of like recurring patterns with um, the men that arrive in my life one way or another. Mm-hmm. And like, I, once I see like the first red flag, I'm like, nope, not interested. Like this is a repeat of, this and this and that. And I don't want to do those again. Mm. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Like what's the repeats that you're seeing? Um, like emotionally unavailable. They really, it's almost like talking to like a wall mm. in, in a lot of cases. Um, yeah, it's just really miscommunication. I guess we're just not, I don't want to say not compatible, but it's all surface. Well, you know, first off, Olive, I can't help but really just want to applaud you for feeling like I'm, you know, meeting people that feel emotionally unavailable and I'm honoring that versus continuing to try to push and make something happen and work that is clearly not meeting my needs, which is what so often we feel compelled to do when we are wanting to be in relationships, right? Well, I had to learn that lesson the hard way. So I don't, I don't want to do it again. Mm. Yeah. 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 I mean, even the recognition of that, right? Like here's this pattern it's showing up. I want to look at it. What's happening. Why is it here? You know, these questions, um, it's kind of like the next level. It's like the first level is we just keep doing it over and over again until whatever happens blows up. Right. For most of us, that's what happens. It blows up. (laughs) And then we say, wait a second, something's going on. Right. What does emotional unavailability, I guess, look like, like in relationship and your experience, um, you know, with some of these guys? Um, well, so the, so my last like relationship, my last, the last, the last person that I was with, uh, we were together for about two years and I was pretty much fresh out of a divorce. Um, but me and my ex-husband before me and, um, the new guy before we got together, um, me and my ex-husband had been separated for like two and a half years. And, Mm -hmm. um, within a few weeks of me starting to see the new guy, um, the divorce was final. So I like, I felt like, okay, I'm I'm in a place where what happened with me and my ex-husband is it doesn't bother me anymore. I've worked Mm -hmm. past it. I saw my therapist pretty much every week for, you know, solid two years. And I felt pretty good. And I was like, all right, well, we're going to go here. We're going to date this guy. And then that was just a disaster Mm -hmm. Um, that ended in a big, big dumpster fire. 
Um, he cheated. He put um, his friends and everybody that he could before me. And um, when I found out about him cheating, I had actually found out that he was with six other women while telling me what we're working it out. Mm-hmm. And then I cut ties all the way, changed my phone number. I mean, and we live in the same town. It's a small town. So I knew eventually I was going to run into him. I've seen him out in public a couple of times, but I think we've only actually talked once since then. So it might look like or, or feel like um, not prioritizing you mm-hmm. for the relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Maybe not, maybe not committing in the same way that you are or would like. Oh, yeah, totally. Not even on the same page as far as that at all. Like mm-hmm. I have three kids from my previous marriage. I was in the bachelor's program trying to finish my undergraduate and I had moved from Washington back home to Florida, you know, for him. It's not all bad. I, I have been able to spend a lot of time with my family and my uncle and my grandfather have passed. And one of my brothers passed away since I had moved back to six. It's kind of like, I'm angry at him for what he did, but I'm okay with the still coming here because had I not been, I would not have had this time. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, he just, there was not the same priorities at all. And so it sounds like in the midst of the relationship, the way that that emotional unavailability was showing up was that I don't feel connected. I don't feel like you're prioritizing us. I don't feel like, um, safe in this dynamic. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. And was that the case in your marriage as well? Um, I think when me and my ex-husband got together and we got married, everything was actually really well for about six or seven years. And then, um, he's active duty army and he's deployed a few times, but the last time he deployed when we were together, it just was like a light switch went off. Mm. When he came home, it was the lights were on, but nobody was home. Mm. Um, we tried to work through that. I tried to work through that with him, and he just was like, no, 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 wall after wall. And I was, I finally just gave up. Um, and I filed for a divorce. It got really nasty. Mm. Um, there was a restraining order. He got supervised visitation. Um, but yeah, so he doesn't, yeah. so he's not even around because he doesn't want to be the visitation. God, all of, you know, I can't help, but feel as I hear that, like you've been through a lot. Oh right? yeah. So, um, I guess I'm wondering how much do you feel like you've had to sort of put up some, some boundaries, maybe even some oh, walls to protect yourself emotionally? A lot. I've, I've actually had to learn where my boundaries are because I, for a long time would just people please. And mm. I didn't want to make anybody else upset around me because mm-hmm. then that was just more stress that I would have to deal with. Mm-hmm. But now mm-hmm. I've gotten to the point where this is my boundary and you can feel the way you feel. And I'm just not willing to come up out of my peace like that again. Mm. Yeah. And I wonder, especially with, well, with both the relationships you've talked about, this idea of them you know, not prioritizing you, not prioritizing the relationship, um, not feeling safe emotionally. Do you feel like you, how do I put this? Like, do you feel like you had a recognition that that was happening in the midst? Or do you feel like that was something that came to you after the fact as you were kind of recounting? No, I saw it in the relationship both times. And I still just, let me try something different and see if maybe this will change right. or it's like I, I tried to accommodate him and mm-hmm. me, and then finally I just was like, I can't. 
nothing I do is going to make it better. There's nothing I can do to make you want to do this for us or for me or for even your own self. So part of the healing and the um, learning that you've gotten from both of these experiences has been around this whole people pleasing tendency, you know, not setting boundaries, not prioritizing yourself. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. And your peace and your happiness and kind of sacrificing that for their sake. But now realizing even when I do that, it still it doesn't, doesn't make good. a difference. Right. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that just because I do that, the relationship's going to work out or something. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. I guess I'm wondering what it feels like today when you attempt to date. I want to hear more about that because I think what can often happen when we've been someone who self-abandons a little bit, has lost ourselves in the past in relationships. Um, Vanessa and I talk a lot about like how the pendulum can swing so far in the other direction that it's almost like I am walled off. Just get back, stay away from me. I'm not interested. Nobody's home here. Or like, Like, you're going to do it my way or no way. Fuck (laughs) off. Right. Like, (laughs) I don't even know what to do with this. So I'm going to go back over here. Yeah. Yeah. But that, I like the way that looks it's appealing. but I don't know what to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you on that. Right. And I wonder if there is some sort of middle ground that we need to start flirting with a little bit, right? Like not the like, (laughs) (laughs) well, but I, I do like to say with the middle ground, the thing that's interesting about the pendulum swing that today's talking about is that sometimes we actually do need to experience the drastic opposite Right. In order to feel like, oh, I actually don't like that either. Like, here's the parts of that that I kind of like, but here's the parts of that I really don't like. And I know on the other end of the, the spectrum, right, what I don't like. And so now I can kind of take those two experiences and then feel my way into what a middle ground is. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes it's hard to know what that feels like when we haven't experienced the extremes. I have no idea, with the exception of my dad and my stepmom, I have no idea who, what a normal, healthy relationship mm-hmm. looks like. And I really haven't spent a lot of time with my dad and my stepmom, um, even growing up. But I think that has a lot to do with my mother. But that's something totally separate. We can do another day. Yeah. (laughs) But it's like me and my dad and my stepmom, like we're trying to develop our own relationship now. And it's weird because I'm an adult, but I'm still the child. Right. Um, But so like my dad and my stepmom have been married I'll be 37 in a few weeks, 35 years wow. in the summer, but that's it. Like my grandma and my grandpa, like they, you know, they come from the forties and fifties where everything was done totally different. So yeah. I wasn't always very nice to my grandma. So I picked up very early on. I definitely don't like that. Yeah. But they both just stuck it out probably because they felt like they had no other. Just what you did. And that's yeah. not what I want either. So um, what do dad and stepmom's relationship look like? Like you said, you haven't spent much time with them, but it also sounds like in your mind, there's this idea that they somehow embody well, what healthy might look like. It, it looks very good on the outside. Like yeah. we, growing up, like we lived in, um, we lived in a nice house when I was with my dad. Like they had a nice home, but they were house poor. Like they had me, they were paying my mom child support and then they had my two brothers. And then I was there for six to eight weeks out of the summer. Mm-hmm. My dad worked a lot. He went to school sometimes um, so he could advance in his job and mm-hmm. 
So like, it looks very good on the outside. But when it doesn't like, let's strip away the stuff, right? Yeah. Like what about them so, as a couple? I feel like they communicate pretty well, but my dad's also really private. So I don't know. Mm. Like he's so private. Like I'm learning things now as an adult that I have never even thought that my dad would have painted or that he enjoys any kind of art like that. Mm. Like I'm so confused right now. Um, so mm. it looks very good on the outside. And I think they, they have to be able to communicate pretty well. So I don't think you can be married to somebody and actually still like them 35 years in. Like my dad still goes and he'll pinch my stepmom's butt or he'll come give her a kiss. <laughs> They've been like mm -hmm. super cute. Mm -hmm. But that's like the only thing close to normal or healthy that I have seen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, um, <laughs> It's this thing, you know, it, I'm thinking as you're talking, like how few of us feel like what was modeled for me was what I would consider like healthy love, right? And I think that what's sort of lovely about what you're describing is there's um, there's a relationship that I'm getting more familiar with, that I'm getting closer to, that I get to be curious about, right? Like this yes. is something that I see them having that I would like for myself. And I would like to know more about like, what has it been like for the two of you all of these years? Because, you know, what we know for sure is that like nobody's relationship is easy and without oh, um, no. ebbs and flows and moments and periods that are more challenging. And what did you guys put into practice to make it through those challenging yeah. moments? Right. Even if like they did struggle, we never saw it. Which by the way, isn't always a great thing. Like right. that actually right. can be kind of damaging for kids sometimes because that's how we learn what it looks like to come through conflict. That's how we learn how to even be in conflict with somebody we love, right? So I think it's interesting because when I hear you talk about, and I think this is probably where Danae's head is going too, it's like when I hear you talk about your dad and your stepmom, it feels like you really are just getting to know them as an adult, mm -hmm. right? And I think maybe where Danae's going too is like, this actually is a great opportunity for you to even continue to get more depth in that relationship. Right. You know, maybe take this opportunity since you're living close by and whatever to like ask them, about that, you know, be curious about their relationship. Like, tell me some of those things. Like, what were some of those practices you put into place? You know, when you guys have struggled in the past, how do you, how do you think you've come through that? You know, right. some of the ways that you did that, because I'm curious because I'm in the place now where I am also looking to experience a healthy love for myself. Mm. Um, and, and it might actually be a really amazing opportunity for some really deep conversations. Not that he knows all the answers, right? I mean, obviously, but it oh, is just, it's kind of a killing two birds with one stone thing. Like you yeah, can also get closer comes, to him. He comes pretty close. I feel like he's, I feel like as an adult, it's very different than when I was a kid. Like he's yeah. just shut off. And, but I think that had a lot to do with my mother and their issues that are, yeah. I don't even want to know totally none of my business, but it's good. Like it's, uh, it's, it feels good right now. And he's, he is open with me, but I can tell he is still not telling me stuff because I'm the kid. Mm. I mean, and that's fine. We'll figure, I'll mm. figure it out eventually. But. A little bit. The reason I was curious about what your relationships are looking like today is I feel like there is a way that even as we've been through, you know, a marriage and difficult relationships ending, we can still sort of have an idea of like a little bit the romanticization of like when I find my person, right? Like mm -hmm. we all do this. And I think that it can be helpful for us to 
look at relationships as just like this really fertile ground to continue to do my own work, the evolution of myself. And like, yes, I'm going to start inviting someone in, allowing myself maybe to be seen a little bit more than I have in the past, holding space for myself as maybe I haven't in the past. And when I say holding space for myself, I mean that thing that you're talking about, like, I'm not going to self-abandon. I'm going to say the thing that is true for me. I'm going to speak up for myself, but I'm going to do it in a way that is like opening my heart a little bit to someone, you know, like curious about them and what's happening for them so that we get to like together be evolving versus like, I got to just like throw out all the work I've done on myself. I got to just like leave myself again in order to be with someone Mm -hmm. like, no, this becomes what do you always say? Be like, not the playground, but like, this is like how the we work ground, it, right? Like, thank you. Testing ground is the, the mm-hmm. phrase I couldn't find in my head. Um, so I would want to know, like, if you're on dating apps, like, how are you sort of talking about what you want being, you can't hear me. No, oh, she's just no, saying, no, she's like, saying she's no, not on dating apps. For those no of you guys listening, apps. we can actually see her face and she's giving a good head. Oh. Like, I was I'm like, not. why are you both shaking your head? <laughs> no, no dating, no dating apps. Like I just see all the different kinds of news stories that go around about things that happen to women with those dating. I'm nope. I don't even want to put myself in that kind of position. So there's the wall, right? So there's yeah. a little bit of like, and listen, feel you. The dating apps are challenging. And what I think has been great about this moment in time um, is that people are doing a lot more like getting to know people virtually before we head out to a bar and actually like meet up. So this gives you an opportunity to practice some of those boundaries, right? Like maybe I check out a dating app. Maybe I flirt with some of the ones that are out here, but I'm really boundaried around the fact that I would like to have like four to five virtual dates before I meet someone in person. You get to do that, right? Like yeah, you get, get to, to look sort of, however you want it to look. Yeah. You know, no one gets to tell you otherwise. I feel like so many times, you know, I say to people, this is why I use that term, like the testing ground. It's like, I don't want to minimize people to the point of like, I'm just practicing on you, but here's the thing. We don't know what relationships are going to look like. We don't know Mm. if it's going to be something or not be something, or it's going to blow up or it's not, you know, we have no idea. And so in the present moment, in the meantime, here's what I've been practicing. I've been practicing like what Janae was saying, not self-abandoning, right? Like I've been practicing speaking up. I've been practicing not putting your comfort above my truth. I've been practicing, you know, holding boundaries and being true to myself. And so how do you practice that if you're not bouncing it off of somebody else? And now look, you can bounce it off of people like family. You can bounce it off people like friends, right? There are other ways to test it, but it, it really is in those kind of romantic relationships where shit comes up and gets triggered and our old stuff takes over. And then we have an opportunity after to go, oof, I did not like myself in that moment. I don't like how I showed up. Let me go back, own my shit, apologize, whatever that looks like. And so maybe this is exactly the opportunity for you to do some of that, which is like taking some of these ahas that you've had and then really starting to like hone those skills um, when the relationship stuff gets triggered. Because you could be with yourself forever if that were what you wanted, right? Like, and it would be pretty copacetic. I could just keep working on myself, have a lot of peace here, but- it doesn't sound like that's actually what you want, Olive. Like it yeah. sounds like you are interested now and maybe feeling a little ready to be in that space of the testing ground that V's talking about. Me, myself, and a partner. I mean, nobody mm. really wants to be alone for the rest of their lives. I, I mean, I would be okay with it, but that's not what I want. But right. 
like can yeah. I have both? You do. You do. You can. <laughs> and yeah. And I think what's beautiful is I think what our point is, is that you sort of get to write the rules now, right? Mm -hmm. Like you get to create whatever it looks like for you that works for you, right? Like maybe I've come to really cherish my alone time, but I would still like companionship. That can be what I prioritize, right? Like I can make it look however it works for me. Um, and that becomes putting into practice me continuing to insist upon myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, in the last couple of minutes that we have, I would like to know though, like recently, so since the two-year relationship, um, have you dabbled? Like, have you dated some people? I have, I've, I've gone out with a couple, couple of people. Um, I've been asked out by a couple of people and declined. The last guy I was kind of seeing, I, you know, I have the three kids and then he had his three kids. Um, mm -hmm. and I thought we were on the same page with a lot of things, but he was just, I guess, um, I don't want to say maturity wise because that's not it. I guess what we want out of a relationship is different. And that's fair. And sometimes that takes some time to figure out, right? I mean, I, it sounds like even in that very brief description, energetically, I'm getting from you that that experience felt slightly different. Yeah, it did. Like, it wasn't like either my ex-husband or the other one. It, it was, it was very different. Mm -hmm. uh, he's actually uh, my friend's, not her brother, but someone um, he's very close to her. But it's not awkward or anything. Like when we're both at her house or we run into each other. Like, mm -hmm. but Yeah, that one was very different. Yeah. So that's kind of awesome, right? Like that's exactly yeah. what we're speaking to. It's like, you got to go in mutually respectfully, both people. Sounds like you guys took away, you guys are still cool with each other. So there wasn't some like yeah. massive emotional blow up, right? No, that you I got, think no, that was like the least dramatic exit for both of us that I think could have, I mean, it was not terrible. Which is where you see the growth happening. Yeah. Like that in itself shows you that at least you and probably him too have come a distance from whatever the last relationship was. Right. And so again, we don't know what's going to happen. Like you guys just were in different places and that's fine. It doesn't make either one of you bad or wrong. It just is. Right. Um, but it feels like there was some growth there. Yeah. I feel like there was a little bit, but it's, I almost at first thought it could have been like a fluke. Like, was that an accident? Mm. It, mm. did that actually just happen but then I'm thinking I'm like well yes it did happen okay that was all right yeah um, but really, don't like, minimize don't minimize it's intentional you know like your your psyche I believe really truly like your unconscious sought that out for a reason there was a reason why you guys were both drawn to each other to begin with yeah. um and I, I wouldn't minimize the fact that that felt different and healthier it really does feel like kind of that stepping stone at least to yeah. me. Yeah. You know, I think the challenge and the gift of dating as we get older is that we are a little bit more clear in who we are. Certainly we have more responsibilities. You've got kids, your time is limited. I don't have time to waste with nonsense. And yeah. I think it, it sort of becomes like really fertile ground for this, like just standing in the truth of myself and what I know my needs are. But the challenging thing is that we have to date a few more people who aren't going to be a great fit because we're not just going to settle for the first person we date because we know it's not oh, true oh, no. for us. A friend of mine, she's like, you know, you need to, 
you need to make yourself more available. And I was like, I, <laughs> what do you mean? Like, I have to work full time because I have the kids. Mm. I am in the master's program. Like, I want to get done with school and never think about it again. We want to think about a PhD for at least 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I, I am, I just have all these things. Homework takes up a good bit of my time. And then, you know, my kids, like they always come first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just, I don't know, I guess maybe finding the balance. Yeah. But, and then last week I find out, you know, I have celiac. So now I have to mm. figure out like my whole food situation and what, you know, that whole thing. Like, You've got a lot of life going on. You know, you want to make sure that whatever you bring in to Danae's point, it's like, it's intentional. You're not wasting time. And, and you don't want that to come across as walled off, right? Like you do want to have yourself be available. I like to use this image of like, can we just have the window be cracked rather than like the door be wide open? It's like, Mm. it's just cracked. Energetically, I'm out there. I'm putting it out there that like, I'm open to this and I'm going to do it on my terms. And then you just kind of see what happens. And it's not about like not trying. I mean, you're still going to like, you know, respond to people if they reach out and flirt and whatever, but you're not like, it sounds like you're not desperately looking for it. You're just kind of open to the idea of when it happens, it will happen the way that it needs to. Yeah. 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 Pretty much. And maybe the dating apps, you know, are a nice way to sort of like <laughs> flirt with being out there enough, right? So mm-hmm. like I can sort of like see who's out there, see who reaches out, whatever, but I don't have to like deep dive into putting so much of my energy and time into the dating right. world, right? And if someone reaches out and it feels like good energy, then let's do a couple virtual meetups before we meet in person, you know, and then right. it doesn't have to feel like there's so much pressure there. Yeah, I'm a big fan, big fan of FaceTime. Mm-hmm. All my friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Same. It's yeah, our world it now, right? With the pandemic, like um, I have probably talked to my friends in Washington more over the last year than in between me moving and the pandemic starting. Yeah. Yeah. So like I'm I'm a big fan of FaceTime and yeah, it's like forced us. It's forced us to be open to connecting mm-hmm. in different ways and and prioritizing those. Yeah kind of soul enriching experiences. Whereas before we might've just gotten busy and gone about our life. Now it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, this is this forced slowdown and it's real. Like people are dying. Like there's real serious shit out there happening. I should probably take time to connect with these people that I love. And so that's kind of one of the silver lining linings that I see anyway, from all of this stuff happening. It sounds yeah. like you experienced that. Yeah. yeah. Well, so Olive, will you do us a favor? Will you keep us posted will you kind of like send us an email and let us know like I'm curious to know next person you meet that piques your interest what that feels like and yeah let us know yeah and then maybe we can also even like do another session sometime and like see what's new in that department totally all right thanks so much Olive we'll speak soon thank you thank you for having me of course Thanks for joining us for this episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to connect with us, you can find us on Instagram at Vanessa S. Bennett and at Danae Logan Selkin.